Hi, I'm Wayne Brittenden for The Political Compass. We're in deeply uncertain times. I didn't need to tell you that, did I? The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, who keep a watch on the risk of nuclear catastrophe, have placed the hands of their doomsday clock closer to midnight than ever before. The danger of a nuclear exchange through madness or miscalculation is greater than it ever was, even during the Cold War. Yet there are no longer anti-nuclear demonstrations. The dangers barely mentioned now, perhaps because there are too many other daunting issues competing for public anxiety. COVID-19's just the most recent one. Far away from the world's lockdown cities and the relative tranquility of the southwest Pacific Islands is Rick Annex, an erudite man with a long and admirable past in analyzing and actively countering ecological assaults of all descriptions, wherever they occur. A boomer who's also always been a doomer, a futurologist with an unblinked view of what he sees that we're facing, and a philosophical resignation to humankind's lingering unwillingness to prepare for it. Rick, welcome to the Political Compass website. Thank you. Uh, did I overstate the case about um, the other dangers apart from COVID-19? Nuclear, I, there are many others that I should have covered. Population, Indeed. peak oil. Tell us about them. Um I find it astonishing that uh, everybody isn't uh, by default a doomer. Uh, we've somehow painted a, a picture of our civilization that gives us false assurances about how stable the world is. But in fact, we live on a knife's edge at all times, and we always have. So the knife edge isn't a little sharper these days? Uh, indeed, it is much, much sharper for certain people. Uh, depending on where you are. Uh, but yes, in general, I'd say that we're, we're, uh, we're heading toward our own demise and the demise of, of so much uh, life, maybe all, we don't know. It's very hard to find anybody else um, willing to go that far. Uh, is it that we can't live without hope? And uh, what's wrong with humanity that it's uh, so blinkered, if that's your view? Well, I think hope is very damaging. It's keeping us from getting down to the basics, which is, I think, where all of us should be, of, of really dealing with basic survival skills and, and throwing, just shedding the carapace of what we call modern civilization, which is essentially a, a mythical, uh, materialist, reductionist, uh, scientistic uh, kind of way of life that has allowed us to destroy everything with impunity. Uh, we're blinkered, we're off the tracks. Uh, we're in cognitive dissonance, we're in denial, and essentially doing more damage than we possibly could, could ever imagine possible, because you, we can't imagine. You mentioned cognitive dissonance. That suggests that people have the information, the knowledge, but they're not prepared to face it squarely. Uh, I would have thought there was more of a case of people not being well informed rather than avoiding the information they already possess. Ah, yes. Well, knowledge is a difficult topic. I would say that we're all very, very uh, poor at introspection. And if we were capable of introspection, we might find thing, fundamental things about ourselves, including the fact that self in itself is not uh, necessarily uh, real. Uh, it may be illusory. Uh, what we call the big, uh, the big um, problem in 
in neurology and consciousness studies is whether consciousness exists, where it exists, is it neurochemical, is it uh, other? Uh, no one can get their head around it. And so where does that leave us? It leaves us confused and uh, incapable of doing anything that I would consider necessary <laughs> in uh, saving ourselves and doing as le the least amount of damage possible at this point. So are you saying that the most that most human beings are capable of doing is no harm rather than actually doing good? We're all doing harm and... Uh, We've been doing harm, I would say, for hundreds of thousands of years since we found out how to use uh, fire to chip stone to make spearheads and we stuck them on a stick and started uh, throwing them at animals rather than creeping up and bonking them on the head. So we've, we've uh, stretched ourselves very, very thin. We've uh, gone far beyond uh, our natural habitats. We've overstepped our limits to such an extent that there's no way of co coming back. So, so, it, so putting on another sweater, turning down the radiator, recycling bottles, it's all in vain? It's all in vain. Yeah, we, we've completely damaged the planet and there's no turning back. We're, we're on our way down and, and very, very quickly. Further back in time, you must have done your own share of uh, organic gardening, um, bottle recycling, those sorts of things. When did you give up on that? Well, uh, organic gardening, I, I, I have done that all of my life. Um, I'm now living on a sailboat, so the gardening I do is germinating seeds. Recycling bottles, I, I was uh, basically, uh, my creativity has come from reusing, reusing junk and refuse and, and uh, rubbish. So, yeah, recycling has just been a, a natural part of my life. It, it really doesn't integrate itself into a, a philosophy about correct living. I think the, the whole concept of waste is absolutely absurd. Uh, if we wanted to live in a sustainable uh, fashion, uh, we would have never incorporated, incorporated waste into our lives in any way, shape, or form. Waste is ridiculous. Un unrecyclable waste. So, in other words, organic waste. So are we carrying on hell-bent on the same direction despite all the ecological advice to the contrary and all the dire warnings of uh, limited life expectancy for the planet? Well, dire warnings are, are come uh, too little and too late. The dire warnings would have been shouted out uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago when uh, hunters and gatherers exceeded the carrying capacity of whatever their particular ecosystem was and had to adopt uh, measure, measures, uh, emergency measures to cope and to survive. Uh, the, the, all life forms live in a dynamic equilibrium which is ever-changing and somehow we've managed to create an illusion of, of never-changing and uh, that our cleverness is going to allow us to find resources where they no longer exist and through technological innovation we're going to overcome limits that can't be overcome. So we're deluding ourselves and we're living a big lie. Our whole civilization is a big lie. So, so we're, we're governed by clever thinkers but not wise thinkers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, wisdom is something that's so scarce, uh, it, 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 it 
doesn't even figure statistically into our our uh, mindset today. Uh, wisdom is is based on empathy. Empathy again is, is too little, <laughs> and uh, so in, unless we can, we don't have enough natural empathy in our present iteration of ourselves to to see the damage we're being done and to live the pain that we're inflicting. So naturally, we're going to keep on destroying with impunity and uh, be oblivious to it because we've managed to mask it in, in, in ridiculous dogma. You almost make it sound like human beings are gorillas with guns. Well, I, I wouldn't want to dismerge gorillas. Um, uh, again, guns are, are far removed from a spear, but our, our fall from grace started with the earliest implements. So we've been on a downhill slide and taking everybody else with us for a long, long time. Have there been any periods when you might have some hope for the future of humanity in the long line of history? Or has it been a downward spiral from day one? I don't think there's ever been any hope. And I think hope in itself is is really an impediment to uh, dealing with what, what we're uh, facing today, I think we have to accept with emotional courage and maturity that we've, we're in severe overshoot. We've destroyed most of the biosphere, even though it doesn't look like it to most people living in cities. Uh, there's no way out. We're going to, we're going, we're heading into a major die-off. Uh, you know, we're now uh, talking in the media, in the popular media, about the sixth extinction, but that sixth extinction includes us. So the sooner we face that, that we are also extincting ourselves, and if any of us want to survive, then we're going to have to live an entirely, in an entirely different way. That's an easier conclusion to reach for a baby boomer, but it's a pretty daunting prospect for someone who's just coming out of college and looking forward to a full life. Well, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. So what's your message to somebody like that? What's your message to, to um, the millennials who uh, are looking forward to enjoying a lot of the things that most of uh, your generation took for granted? Oh, boy. Do I have a message? Uh, I, I, would, I don't even have a message at this point. I really don't. So pretty much grin and bear it and find creative new ways of living that uh, will see you through to whatever comes. Creative new ways for living would be looking back into how we lived when we were small communities of just a hundred or two people, when we were paying attention to our natural habitat, uh, and what we could get away with reaping and uh, doing the least amount of interfering with our habitat. But uh, we're so far from, from uh, living harmonically in, with our, our natural world that there, there's not even a beginning of, of uh, uh, you know, a first step to be taken by a modern person toward that. Well, modern people tend to accept the prevailing economic orthodoxy of globalization, and yet for its very survival, it depends on uh, incessant growth. 
So where does that leave the ecological imperative when the economic orthodoxy is in conflict? Well, growth, again, is a consequence of a, a strange economic uh, uh, relationship we have with life where uh, we have to continue to consume. So uh, growth has become a given in our lives. And growth, limits to growth, is something that's been anathema to economists for, for a long, long time. But we, we're hitting those limits. We, we've hit biological limits. We're hitting uh, resource limits in the context of our, our industrial civilization. Uh, there's, we're so far beyond being able to, to recuperate anything that we've destroyed. If everybody on the planet was set out to do nothing but plant trees in a responsible fashion, taking into consideration uh, creating a, a varied ecosystem, it would still be enough wouldn't be enough to put back in place what we call the biotic pump, which is a, a, a pump of water vapor to allow rainfall patterns to stabilize, to allow the, the uh, surface and jet streams winds to uh, allow moisture to be transported around the planet. All of these things are completely destroyed and uh, we're just not facing them. Uh, and there's no way we're going to face them at this point. So we have a world full of environmentalists, but you've been rather scathing of the term. Well, uh, I, I don't know even what it means at this point. Uh, environmentalists, if it means working toward uh, modifying uh, laws and modifying practices, uh, uh, safety measures in mining or uh, different uh, forestry, stewardship, all that stuff is just little tiny band-aids that were sticking on the big gaping wounds that we've created. What about, so what, about, what about consultants in sustainable business practice? It, it's all garbage to me. It means nothing. It, 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 it's just all silliness. It really is. It's being silly. <laughs> no, no point in pursuing sustainable business practices? nothing that we do is sustainable. Uh, nothing. Uh, the only people who could have claimed to be sustainable in a very, very small microcosm were the indigenous peoples of the equatorial regions of, of Africa and South America, the uh, uh, lost tribes in some of the islands of Vanuatu, people living without interfering that have been doing so for thousands of years without you know, suffering much uh, trauma. But other than a few now mostly extinct tribal uh, communities, uh, nobody is living sustainably. No kind of business could even remotely uh, make any changes toward uh, allowing any of us to survive. Well, accepting, accepting that we're doomed, uh, isn't there something to be said for delaying our ultimate demise? You know, when we're talking about demise, our own uh, individual lifespans are limited and lifespans of all species that ever have been on this planet never will be are limited. Uh, there are many forces, all forces are out of our control. So we, it's, it's, it's luck of the draw. I, I don't know. I, uh, as uh, we, we've talked about before, all we need to have is a, a coronal mass ejection that's strong enough and oriented toward the planet 
and all the electricity grids can go down and we are back to being cave folks within a couple of weeks. Well, you've talked a lot about absenteeism and indeed we've uh, had um, discussion about that uh, most recently with Paul Ehrlich on a podcast. Is absenteeism going to be ultimately um, the bleakest outcome of COVID-19? Absenteeism will be a major factor for sure, yeah. but I think uh, since we're completely unprepared for the the consequences of uh, a contracting economy, uh, absenteeism will result from either people being out sick if the uh, virus continues to be, you know, to circulate within our communities, but also because of uh, simply uh, the whole machine is uh, grinding to a standstill and people will be out of work and they will not be able to survive through their own means. They're not going to go out and pick berries in their apartment block or hunt. Well, maybe they'll hunt their neighbors' cats and dogs, I guess, for a while. That'll, that'll be a, a certain kind of sustainability until we revert to out and out cannibalism, which itself is a possibility also. In our globalized world, we do depend on parts from far off, the just-in-time economy, and sooner or later, with various shutdowns of factories, um, highly trained technicians, I worry about nuclear power stations, for example, what happens if they can't be properly serviced? Uh, absenteeism is the big one that we still haven't had the full impact of, right? Indeed. Yeah. We, once uh, a certain number of uh, working elements are uh, withdrawn from any, any industry or service, it, it, it reaches a critical mass and it collapses. So we could be without vital resources uh, for any number of reasons. And I, I would say that this is going to become widespread in the future. Who knows when, but we're looking at that specter. And we, we hear of hospitals saying that the, their beds are all taken up with COVID-19 patients, and that's at the expense of um, people with serious illnesses not getting the treatment that they need at this time. And yet, as long as the, the virus isn't under control, then those other specialist departments, uh, cancer therapy, whatever, um, are not going to be properly staffed, obviously. Yeah, well, saturating public health services are one of the major concerns that have caused a, a panicking into, into lockdowns. And because the, uh, dealing with the virus has become so politicized uh, and uh, the voices are so incoherent, uh, contradictory and self-contradictory, it's impossible to develop any kind of global plan where people are working together rather than in opposition. And another thing that, that can't be ignored is that there are a number of uh, influenza type A viruses, the avian-borne viruses, just waiting behind the curtain to, to come out and really give us a big uh, uh, whack upside the head. And, and they are redoubtable. So it's not that the COVID virus is the end all of viruses. We've created an environment where a number of other viruses, most likely the influenza type A viruses, which will inevitably uh, cause even more severe pandemics in terms of morbidity and mortality. How much has our population overshoot got to do with the predicament we're in now with the virus? Oh, everything. Everything to do with it. it well, 
population overshoot and the fact that we've created a mobile population that never um, in anybody's imagination should have happened. Uh, so we, we, we've created an environment for viruses to, to leap uh, from species to species. And uh, we've, we're having contact with viruses that, that humanity uh, rarely, if ever, did have contact with before. And we're also creating an artificial environment that allows viruses that never would have existed otherwise to, to develop, which also could be uh, vectors for our, <laughs> our big problems. So, yeah, uh, don't consider virus, uh, COVID, the, the virus to end all viruses. It's just a little step toward uh, other viruses um, moving in from the wings and giving us a, a, a big whack. And we shouldn't forget peak oil, I suppose. Well, peak oil is is just a symptom of how blind we've been uh, to limits to our, our limits to growth. Uh, it's only one. It's the major resources. Everything everything that we do in, in our world is based on fossil fuels. So it's not even peak oil that's the problem. It's peak production, being able to pump oil, extract it, bring it to refineries, refine it, move it around the planet, transform it into into the, into energy and into products, uh, whether they be medications or fertilizers or plastics or whatever. The whole machine is far too complex and far too interdependent to be able to uh, continue for much longer. And Obviously, different, different parts of the world are going to be affected at different levels. Where would you say would be the worst place to be at this time? Any city on the planet. Uh, any city that's, that depends on a just-in-time uh, food transportation for food resources coming in, waste going out, electricity uh, being furnished through generating stations that are so tenuous. Uh, we talk about electricity grids, but when you look at you know at the anatomy of electricity grids, it's just a, it's an, a nightmare that's barely being held together by by people working like crazy, uh, going nuts trying to keep our grids together. And the slightest hiccup could could cause the whole thing to come down. So yeah, if you don't if you want to up your chances of surviving. Um, move out of a city, uh, go somewhere where there's a, a bit of decent rainfall and um, completely re, uh, reprogram your entire way of thinking and being. So do we give up on the internet because the internet's going to give up on us? Of course. Yeah, computers alone are, are draining our, our, our world of, of its vital juices. But if it doesn't matter any longer, why worry about giving up on computers? Well, I don't think we'll have the choice. They'll give up on us. <laughs> One day we'll just simply uh, find that the, the Internet is, is no longer functioning properly. And I, I would say one of the biggest specters, my uh, nightmare has always been totalitarianism, uh, that uh, as long as uh, technology allows communications to be as they are, surveillance to be as it is, that we are going to have our so-called human rights and ability to move around the planet and be uh, sovereign beings uh, is, 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 is 
is being is disappearing very very quickly, and that's a horrible thing for anybody who would consider themselves an individual and a free thinker. Rick, it strikes me that you must be a really happy person because an unhappy person wouldn't be able to cope with so much bleak information. Well, uh, yeah, I am kind of upbeat, but uh, upbeat, but not not an optimist in in the in the general sense. I I just live my life. Um, trying to do as little damage as I can at this point, and I, I don't suffer fools gladly. I, I keep my own counsel and uh, laugh a lot and generally tend to have relationships with other sentient beings other than uh, people. I, That's a bit of a blow to, to humanity in general, but it seems to me that a big part of your disappointment is um, humanity's um, inability to recognize what you see as the inevitable. Uh, <laughs> well, what I see as inevitable is is uh, inevitable for all life. It's it's constantly being transformed, and if we if we adopt a materialist point of view and we see our death as the end of our life, we see consciousness as being a, a consequence of our our brain as a machine. Then. It's, that's pretty sad. And at the same time, I don't uh, give over my, uh, my power uh, to any supreme beings of any, any kind either. So I, I think that we are too arrogant in what we believe, what we think we know, what realities we think are real, and any truths we might think truthful. Uh, our biggest problem is that we create limits and then we, we're stuck in them. So uh, it... it takes a lot of effort to let go and um, let our imaginations travel and uh, without fear. I think a lot of our political compass visitors are going to say, where's the optimism in this? It's, optimism seems to be a necessary component, not only uh, in our news broadcasts, but also um, in, in our, our way of life and in what we consume in the way of information. You're saying that optimists are really just pessimists lacking data. No, I would say uh, if you're if you're being if you have information fatigue, just go out and watch clouds for a while. Okay, that might be a very good way to end it. We wish you well um, on those Southwest Pacific waters, and thank you very much for being part of the podcast of Political Compass today. All the best, Rick. <laughs> Thank you very much.